Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Open your Bibles if you could. I think over to Exodus, we're going to go look at some things. I'm in a whole series on Flourish. I've been doing it now for six months. This is the last of the six-month series on Flourish, but we're starting a new Flourish series next Sunday. So we're going to continue the rest of the year. And this whole year is about flourishing in Christ. What it's like to be in Jesus. I'll tell you, those kids, I was wiped out during that that performance. I'm going to have to see it again online when I go home, but I was just wiped out. I was overwhelmed by the presence of God. So strong in these children, you know, and what they're doing. And this is just the beginning, Michael. You're going to need more room. Where is Michael? He disappeared. Oh, he went up to Middleburg. Okay. We'll tell him, Kim, later on. This is just the beginning. I saw thousands of children coming into this church. I mean, you see, you saw Matt Levity up here, and he said he has sinned greatly. But he's, he was a two-year-old in this church, raised up in this church. You know, some are going to stand strong. Some are going to wander off. But, you know, God has a way of pulling people back. When you raise them in the way that they should go, they will not depart from it. You go, oh, yeah, what about, what about, what about, what about? We're not using what aboutism anymore in America. What about, what about? It's not going to work. No, the hand of God is still there in those people. And he is going to whistle them home. I believe we're about to go through a season where prodigals all over the world are going to be called into the kingdom of God. And I'm going to be involved in it. I've already signed up. I've said yes to it. I said, Lord, wherever you want to take us, whatever you want us to do, we will do it. We've had prophetic words over our church that we will send teams of hundreds of people. Imagine that. Logistically, it's a nightmare. I've done, I've, done, I've done teams up to 27 to Australia. I know what it's like. It's a lot of airfare. It's a lot of planning. You know, it's a nightmare. And I, I've done those things. Joel and I both, Joel's been trained specifically by Randy Clark how to do this. We're going to draw on his uh, understanding of how to take large groups into other places. I'm telling you, it will transform your life. There's no magic to an airplane, but I tell you, there's, there's something very powerful about getting out of yourself and doing something you're uncomfortable and seeing God move in great ways because that is called faith. And God's called us to move from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and from strength to strength. It's time we get moving. And this is the church, one of the churches God's gonna use. So in Exodus, I wanna go as deep in God as I can. I wanna drown in the presence of God and wake up in heaven. That's how I want to die. I want to die swimming in God's glory. <laughs> it might be while I preach, so, you know, be ready. You never know. <laughs> Don't revive me. <laughs> Exodus 34. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My wife would want you to revive me. Kids might. Grandkids definitely would. Okay. Exodus 34, 29 says, Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. You all know about that, right? The two tablets of testimony, you know about those, were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain. And Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone, everyone say shone, shone while he talked with him. So he got radiated. 
glorified, radiated in the presence of God. Whatever that looked like, you know, it sounded like that, but whatever it looked like. Verse 30, and when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. I would be too. I mean, if he had a, he's, he was radiated by the presence of God, you know. <clears throat> and then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterwards, all the children of the Israel came near. <clears throat> so with Moses, the, the, the radiant glory of God, it says actually in the New Testament, would fade. You go back in the presence of God, he'd walk away with the people and it fades. I know what that's like. I mean, not that I've gone, woo, 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 but I, I know that when you get back to your circumstances and your challenges of life, it's easy to forget. It's, you start drifting away. That's why Sunday mornings are so important. Corporately, we come into the presence of God and behold his face as I believe we did today when we were singing that goodness song. So you behold the face of God. Imagine if that happened to you and you go to work on Monday and you're like, woo, 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 woo. I mean, I don't know what they would do. They might fire you for illegal light or something. I don't know, but... <laughs> But the glory of the Lord has impact when you stand and behold the Lord. This is what it means to abide in him. When you abide in him and his words abide in you, you ask what you, what you can, what you will, and it shall be done. There's this something about abiding. Abiding is not just a, a, a tip of time. Oh, you know, Lord, whoa, Lord, I'm kind of busy today. Just whoo, bless me, Lord. I don't know what's gonna happen. Woo, I'm off. I mean, that's not a bad thing to do. You can go deeper. You can go deeper, and deeper means time sometimes. In fact, when you first start out, it definitely means time. Over time, it may be less time, but it's more powerful because you understand the ways and means of getting into his presence and beholding the face of God. When you behold the face of God, you go, this is weird, this is strange. No, this is what the church has taught for 2,000 years. Behold Jesus. Jesus said, learn of me. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, call out to me. You call out to Jesus. You follow Jesus. You learn of his ways and you behold his face. And when you do, you are changed by his glory into his glory and into his image. Getting like Jesus isn't like, I gotta do better. I gotta do better. I gotta quit smoking those cigarettes. I'm just gonna do one now, Lord. It's, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I used to have two. But I'm getting better. The anger that I got. Okay, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Okay, I'm all right. I'm all right. There's nothing wrong with classical conditioning. There's nothing wrong with getting a little treat every time you get something right. It's okay. But there's a better way. A way that does not fade. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of his people. Ashley texted that to me. It just came to me. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away when you behold the Lord, you're transformed. Moses was. Moses came off the mountain. And let me tell you, you know what the New Testament says? 
what Moses had was lesser than what we have. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, his is fading away. Your beholding can be eternal. It will not fade away. You say, well, I think, I've been a Christian for 32 years. I think by now I would have experienced that. Not necessarily. There's a lot of people out there that were stillborn in the spirit. It came into the kingdom of God, but there was no life in them. And they need the quickening power of God. What we're saying here, (laughs) to resurrect them, the roar, bring the roar back, bring the power of God, be able to hear his voice. Somehow in America, we've attached to a Christianity and a gospel that is like, you just, you just need to say this little prayer and then, you know, you're kind of in, you're in your club and you're gonna get in the club and then you gotta do stuff, you know, you go to and sing every Sunday and, you know, well, you get to do that. It feels weird at first, but you're used to it. Sometimes they have food afterwards. It's really good. You know, you get into that and you're good to go. You're good to go. You know, the Bible says that we can prophesy, feed the sick, let, uh, raise the dead, and, and even give ourselves to be burned. But if we have not love, we have nothing. And so you wonder, like, maybe some things I'm missing. This is what hits me all the time. As you go deeper in the Lord, you look back and go, oh, you think back to the great experiences you had in the Lord and you think, I was so far from the Lord. I was so close to the Lord, but I'm so far from the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's always room to grow closer to God. And when you do, you will feel the inward transformation happen in you, which, which Moses felt. Look at this. So verse 33, when Moses had finished speaking with them, He put a veil on his face. I mean, it was so blinding, he had to veil it. We do it in our culture, you know. You know what it's called? Wedding. Right? Typically. I mean, it's not all the time now. It used to be all the time. The bride would wear a veil. And she'd be beautiful. I mean, it's the most, probably the most beautiful day of a bride's life is the day they get married. I mean, they got professional makeup and hairdo. They get their hair done that morning by a beautician comes in and does it, you know, and the dress, of course, money's been spent on the dress. It's perfect. It's beautiful. You know, and they walk in, they've got the veil and it's that, it's that mystery that is so kingdom. It really is. I want to bring the veil back. It's kingdom. The bridal, bridal veil. It's kingdom. It's the mystery. I mean, the, the groom has seen this woman thousands of times, but today she's veiled because it's that transition time from seeing me, the depths of who I am and my personality, my life, who I am as an individual. And I love because they're veiled through the whole service right up to the time where the husband kisses the bride and the veil is removed. And in that moment, I mean, lightning strikes. It's like, whoa, we've said vows, you're my wife, and there's usually no problem kissing the bride. I remember 45 years ago this month, this coming month, when I was married, I remember it was like light. I thought, whoa, she was more beautiful than I'd known her two years. She was more beautiful than I'd ever seen her. I mean, it was just like, oh, she's mine. And I'm hers, she's mine. I know it's, it's a bad deal, but anyway. 
I won. <laughs> you know, that's very important to men, you know, that they win. So you put on the veil to veil them, the glory is released. There's something that happens. It's a supernatural thing. I mean, it's natural, but it's also supernatural that you see your wife and the veil is lifted, even though you've seen her many times before. So he put a veil on his face and whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak to him, he'd take the veil off. Why? He'd get recharged. Then he put the veil on his face. Well, whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he'd take the veil off till he came out and he would come and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. So he'd speak out of the glory of the Lord. And then it says, and whatever the children uh, of Israel saw the face of Moses, the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on again and he would speak with him. So there's some kind of combination going on here where he would go veilless, but then they wouldn't look at him. When they would look at him, he'd have to put the veil on because something is so transformational when you're in the glory of God. And the glory of God, and by the way, Moses is called God's friend in scripture. It's not just following the Lord, it's becoming the friend of God. Face to face had an effect in the Old Testament and it does have an effect in the New Testament also. The also, also the other thing is, it affected the people around him. We're, we're gonna learn in this church how to be a carrier of the glory of God everywhere we go. How many of you already are there? But you're gonna walk into Walmart or, or any other institution you might go to and bring the presence of God with you because it dwells inside of you. That the lion has been released. And when you do that, Joel will tell you this, many others I could talk to would tell you this, it happens to me a lot. Sometimes I just like, it's overwhelming. I walk into a place, I feel stuff about people, you know, and I, Lord, I can't talk to all these folks. I just came in to get a coffee, you know, and I, but I end up, you know, talking, ministering, sometimes just being kind to someone. There's, there's various things you can do. Being kind actually is a very low, low-toned prophetic act when you're kind to somebody. But it can have very powerful consequences. Encouragement is way underrated. <laughs> someone just says, hey, I like that jacket. Something simple like that. You're like, oh, okay, man. I mean, you throw your shoulders back a little bit, like, it's a nice jacket. I mean, you have one person's opinion but it meant something. Hey, you look good today. What'd you do? Did you get a haircut or something? You look sharp. Those are like surface encouragement. It's kind of like, like worship and praise uh, as we do it. So we start out surface and then we go to the core of adoration. Adoration is speaking to the core of the identity of God. When you do that to an individual, it transforms them. When you say, you know what? You're a man of kindness. Jimmy, stand up a minute. See, I can say this to him. I'm speaking something that God would say to him, but he's specifically saying it to Jimmy, that you're a kind man, that you walloped anger earlier in your life, way early. You like cut the root out and now you feel the flow of kindness. And the Lord wants you to know that that prosperity that he brought to you is because of your release of the kindness that's upon your heart. And we bless that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, so
So when you do that at Starbucks, you're changing the atmosphere. Everyone's like, Starbucks, we're not going to Starbucks. I, you know, and, you know, I, and I, I've talked to Janet about this. I mentioned it last week. I'm still conflicted between boycotting certain uh, institutions that are over the top uh, wokeism. And then um, there's another side of me that goes, well, wait, let's go in there. Let's go in there and minister. Like that would really aggravate the devil. To go in and say, well, you know, I'll get a coffee or whatever, you know, but I am here to speak the kingdom of God, to touch people's lives, to minister to them. I'm the priest on the street, and I'm going to see what's going on in this place. There's something very powerful. God's going to release us. I, I believe when Tommy Zito comes in October, we're going to see a, a huge shift in the, in the culture of how we act during the week as a church. I really do. There's something of an impartation that's coming to us. It's going to shift us, and you're going to be a lot more bold. Do you know one of, one of the number, I would argue, the number one thing that came out of the entrance of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, 4, 8, 10, and 19 was boldness. Even the religious, spiritual people said, well, who are these guys? Aren't they from West Virginia? That's how Galileans were viewed, like hill people or something. Like they're unlearned, untrained. They had been with Jesus. That's what they associated with. They'd been beholding the face of the Lord. And you can do this in the car, you can do it at home, at work, wherever you are, you know. So it's a picture of the deeper life that we all want. And by the way, let me just tell you a minute, I'm getting close to my time here, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it. Um, the deeper life is not this. It's not weird behavior. Some of it can be weird, but it's not being weird. There are people out there that, I, I spoke this Wednesday night, so I don't want to get too deep into it, but, but some people think, particularly in our charismatic cultures, we think that if you act weird, then people will think you're spiritual. No, weird is just weird. <laughs> I've seen the Holy Spirit do stuff on people that was kind of weird. But you could tell it was weird because they, they really, well, you just knew sometimes your spirit, you know, we're supposed to be able to discern between things that weird can be just weird or weird can be like, wow. And so there's people come in and they can mimic what they see happening in the spirit, but there's no depth to it. So weird is not necessarily God. So laying on the ground, prophesying naked, which is a biblical thing. We'll, we're going to talk to you about that. <laughs> David dancing before the ark, undignified. We would have had a conversation with Daniel, you know, David, I mean, and, and, and then he'd have told us it was the Lord and we'd have prayed about it and probably said, okay, you can put it in scripture for everyone to read for a couple thousand years. Um, it's, not the, it's not flesh. It's not anti-thinking. So the deeper part of the Christian life is not mindless. It's not like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear any of that. I, this is what I, what I believe. No, we are, we are integrated. We are, we are incarnational in the sense that Christ is in us. The word is being fleshed out in our lives like it was with Christ. I'm not saying we're, we are Christ. I'm saying it expresses itself in the same way because of the seed of Christ that is in us that is growing. It, it can be offensive to those that are around us, you know, but it, it, it exercises an incarnation or a fleshing out 
of our lives. You should be able to spot Christians. I can. I go into Panera and I go up to people and go, are you a Jesus follower? And they go, yes, I am. I mean, it just happened this week. I go, I knew it. And they said, how'd you know it? I said, I can see it on you. You can see it on me? Most people out there are Catholics or uh, uh, evangelicals. They don't use that terminology, you know, because they don't, they're not sure they believe that. I do, though. I think you can see something. I think, I'm not saying it's a literal aura or something like that. You can tell when you, you should be able to tell by countenances of people whether there's a Christ seed or spirit of God that's upon them. So it's not anti-thinking like, uh, in fact, we need strong minds in the church today to be able to speak to some of the issues that are going on. It's not quirky physical expressions. You know, it's just not... <laughs> doing weird things. It's not, it's not quirky, quirky expressions like, I don't know, we have a lot of these in, in Christianity, you know, we, you know, when God, when a door closes, God opens the window, you know, I mean, it's not scripture, but it's like, oh yes, we treat it like it's scripture, we applaud it, oh yeah, I felt the Lord on that. Well, it can, you know, non-scriptural things can be, I shouldn't say non-scriptural, things that are not exactly in scripture can be anointed by God, but quirky things, quirky expressions that, you know, we have these little memes now that we do, you know, and they're nice and they encourage you in some way. That's not necessarily a sense of deeper life, you know, because we all want to think of something really cool to put on the internet. So I want to go, oh, they know God. It's not that. It's not a deeper voice. So, and God spoke. And the power of God came. It's not that. It's not that. It can be that. God can use that, but it's not that. So you can give up the deep voice. Unfriendly. It's not unfriendly. When I was growing up, prophets were always angry. Bring a prophetic guy to the church and they'd be like this. And I'm a little boy out there. I'd be like, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. You'll become a zombie. You look around. Then they have long bony fingers. That's not necessarily a form of deepness in God. You, Jimmy Nelson. <laughs> so it's not a degree. It's not alone. Everyone thinks if they're alone, they're going to be more spiritual. No, not necessarily. It's not a long beard. It's not a lot of things. These are not bad things necessarily. They're just not a sign of deepness in God. Now turn with me. I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to go eat chicken or something. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3. Turn with me there if you can. I want to pull this together there. I mentioned this Wednesday night. God's been speaking to me lately and I'm not ready to preach on this. I can give you a little hint of it. You can play with it if you want. But uh, I feel that, the, the, that emotions, when you get emotions, you're feeling a thin place of heaven or hell. So when anger rises up in you, that's why they call, uh, I watch FBI a lot, all the renditions of it, you know, like a lot. And I, uh, um, there's this thing called a crime of passion. Because, and it means it's very violent. When there's a crime of passion, it's usually a stabbing of some sort, and it's multiple times. Someone's just so enraged they can't stop. Or they shoot someone 30 or 40 times. One bullet does. 
but they're just, they're so enraged. In that moment, they're experiencing, they're tasting hell. And in that moment, they're yielding to it rather than overcoming it. That's why you can have good people do stupid things. Happens all the time. But on contrast to that, when you feel emotion, this is what I believe right now, <laughs> you're feeling a, a thin place of heaven, like joy and peace. When, you know, when my grandson last week, I think I might mention this last Sunday, sorry, I speak a lot during the week to different people and I get confused sometimes, but, but uh, my grandson, he's only five, and, and I did, uh, you know, all these yards of mulch Get it all laid out. He says, Papa, why do you do this? I said, so it'll look really nice. And he's looking at it. You know, I had to get him out of it. He was, you know, wanting to play in the mulch and stuff like that. I said, no, you can't. It's, there's chemicals and stuff in there. But, you know, just, and so he stood beside it and he looked at it and he said, why do you, why do, you do this? I said, because it looks beautiful. And he goes, it's so satisfying. <laughs> he's five. <laughs> he's five years old. And when he said that, I can't describe it but I, my chest got warm. I felt something inside like, and I got emotional. I thought, that is the most adorable thing I've heard in a long time, you know. And he was serious, you know, so satisfying. It's a man thing. So satisfying. Like mowing the lawn. Satisfying. Why? Because you get it done and it's complete and it looks beautiful, you know. You get the tweezers on, get the few that you missed, you know. It's amazing. Satisfying. In that moment, what I was feeling for Maxwell, I believe, is a taste of heaven. That when you go to heaven, it's these spiritual senses that mirror the physical senses. You are gonna feel overwhelmed. You're gonna, you're gonna feel how limited you made yourself on planet Earth because the fullness of release of emotion, of weeping and laughing at the same time and the joy of just being surrounded in heaven in the presence of God like you've never felt it in your life. I mean, we think we get connect with God. Where do you stand in heaven? And you'll probably, we joke, we say, we'll probably lay on our face for about a thousand years. And we'll start to get up and go, <laughs> and we'll go back down. <laughs> a couple days later, we'll recover and it'll be like, oh. And so it's going to take a while for your heavenly body to get used to the fullness of the presence of God. I mean, it's a theory I have. But right now we taste it. And so when you feel emotion, oh, Joel, I wish I had more time to preach on this. When you feel emotion, don't fight it. In our culture, we fight it. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm crying. I just got a little teary-eyed, excuse me. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I have no idea what happened. No, 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 no. Go into the deeper water. What is God bringing up right now? The joy of the Lord is your strength and he gives you joy un unspeakable and full of what? Glory. glory. It's the glory of God. Oh boy, I gotta finish this. Text Cindy and tell her I'm running a little late. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3 it says, it says this, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Everyone stand up if you could. So landing gear is going down. Verse 13. We, we use such great boldness of speech, Paul says, since we have such hope, unlike Moses, really, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Look at verse 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, Amen. 
one person turns to the Lord, something happens. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Every non-believer has a veil over them right now. They cannot see the glory of God. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. No more veil, no more separation, free to glow. Now the Lord is the spirit, verse 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Like Moses, but eternal. We are being transformed. You know, this is only used a couple times in scripture, that word transform, that one right there. It's used in the transfiguration of Jesus. That's what we're talking about. What happens in the glory of God? You see things you could not see. You hear things you could not hear. You feel things you could not feel. And you need every bit of that on this side of heaven. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You imagine that? Oh, oh. You see yourself through Christ. You look at, he is the mirror. The word is the mirror. You look into the word and you see yourself in the potential of what God's called you to. It's overwhelming. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. The more I look, the more transformation comes. Behold the glory of God into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. It's loosed on you. So in Romans, Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed, same word, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You'll never see what you need to see if you're not beholding his face. I want to tell you, take time this week. Go for a walk. That's what I do. I'm a walking beholder. You'll see it everywhere. Birds appear, literally. Birds show up that I haven't seen in years. I thank the Lord. I thank you, Lord. Huge woodpecker I saw, the pileated woodpecker this week. I just stood and just watched it. Romans 1 says that we, we understand the very nature of God. No. I forget what it says. The goodness of God is revealed in nature. In Romans 1. His attributes are revealed in nature. Go for a walk. In the rain. In the sun. Whatever. Begin to look. Begin to behold the beauty of the Lord. Find a closet you can lock yourself into and just behold. Focus upon the Lord. Leave your phone somewhere else. Put it in a basement. Crush it. Put it in your car. Do something. Get away, get free from technology. Just behold the Lord. Come Sunday mornings. Just behold the presence of the Lord in the corporate worship. It's greater. Want to put a thousand, two will put 10,000. There's something about when we come together, it's like, oh, I'm so thankful for all of you around me. As imperfect as you are. And me and my imperfection and weakness. He becomes our strength because of our weakness. Right now, just kind of close your eyes before the Lord. Jay's going to lead us. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, I got good news for you. When one turns to the Lord, you're going to see stuff. I'm not talking about weird. I'm not talking about institutionalized. I'm not talking about some kind of a 
a broken mind or a hurt mind. I'm talking about the reality of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. There is a deeper place. Come in, come into the depths. Come in, get out of the kiddie pool. <laughs> come on a little deeper, like the Ezekiel River until you can swim in the presence of God. I just bless you right now. If you're here today, you do not know Jesus Christ. This is the moment to turn. Jay's gonna finish this off, minister to you, and uh, we'll see you tonight. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.